0: Have you been hitting the books and listening to lectures all day? It's time to relax, to unwind, and listen up. This is Brooke from Campus Chronicles, your go-to podcast for everything student life. No matter where you are in your academic journey, we have you covered. Think of us as a trusted mentor, friend, and confidant who always has your back. We'll be sharing inspiring stories, thought-provoking insights, And practical advice to help you succeed in and out of the classroom. So get ready to be inspired, enlightened, and entertained. Hello, hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you to the beautiful person that we have with us here today. Her name is Rukaya, and she's here with us from Rukaya Co. And I am so excited. Thank you for being with me here today. Thank you for having me. We are going to have so much fun because Rukaya has a wealth of talents, but if we were going to condense those into a sentence, it would be that she helps women holistically heal from chronic pain and trauma. But guys, she does so much more than that. I know this woman and the vast expanse of her talents is just untapped in that sentence.
1: Oh, well, thank you.
0: (laughs) So I want to dive right in. I know that In this podcast, we're really talking to a younger audience. We're talking to people that are working very, very hard mentally to get good grades. We're talking to people that are in a brand new social environment for the first time. We're talking to people that may or may not be experimenting with relationships, all sorts of different things. And all of those have an emotional wellness price tag. And part of that work you do is helping people really discern right the what effect their choices has on their emotional wellness.
1: Yes, for sure. Um, it's so important to prioritize and figure out what exactly is our priority and, and what's important to us. And then to be able to achieve our goals, sometimes we have to slow down so that we can um, catapult ahead and reach the goals that we want to accomplish, for sure.
0: Absolutely. So when you first evaluate one of your clients, What are some of the things that you look at? Because I know it's such a big, comprehensive picture. So really, what are your first questions or what are the first things you tap into?
1: Oh, yeah, that's such a great question. Thank you, Brooke.
0: Uh, The first thing
1: that I talk to clients about is what the problem is, what they think that the problem is, what they've tried in the past and where they're trying to go in the future so that I can help lay out the step-by-step plan of, of how to get there.
0: I think one of the hard parts or the challenging parts, if I'm thinking back to my college journey, is you have an idea of where you're trying to go, but it can be so hard to know as you're rapidly shifting and you're rapidly changing and your friend group changes and your major for so many of us changes. How do you really set out that plan when you're not necessarily sure where you're going?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. All your questions are great questions, Brooke. It's important, I think, in the college years to really explore and try out different things so that you can figure out exactly what you like and what you don't like. you know, I definitely encourage college students to take notes of of what it is. You know, even if you have a job or you have a class that you learn something about a certain industry, and maybe that's not something that you actually would choose, but maybe there's aspects that you would like, right? Maybe it's um, interfacing with clients. Like maybe you don't want to be a psychologist, but maybe you like interfacing with clients and and having that one on one so you would maybe look at something in the social sciences, right, field versus maybe i t where you're locked in a room, not surrounded by people at all or not having very many you know interactions with people. So even if it's something that you may or may not like, just figuring out what about that thing can just help you narrow down to what you like. And then finding like a mentor or coach that can help guide you. You know, one of my favorite things um, to tell young people is to, yeah, if you think that you're set, a lot of people are set on what they do want. And I say, like, yeah, Go talk to someone who is in that field, who's doing that job and ask them, what was their education journey? Right. What internships did they take? How did they make that decision? How are things going? you know, how much money are they making? What is their work-life balance? Are they able to accomplish all of those things? Like, was there, you know, um, upward mobility in the companies that they're in? How many opportunities? Was it hard to find a job in that field? Um, You know, there's just so much to even consider, but go out there and explore and talk. and, And I will tell you, that just about everyone who's in the field, no matter what field it is, they love to tell their story, their challenges and their successes of how they got where they are today.
0: And rolling that into health too, something I noticed that you brought up was work-life balance, right? Because it's easy to look at a career. So originally, and this surprises most people, I wanted to be an MD and that ended up not being a fit for my personality because I, she, you can see her smile, everyone. I am so free flowing and I'm so creative and I realize that does not necessarily align with the values that I have for my life. And while I respect the work, once I really, really got into the nitty gritty of it and became really honest about how that would impact my personality, my health, my work life balance, a potential family, it wasn't the right fit for me. And you probably Rukaya, working on people's health. You see the impacts, right, that perhaps years of neglect has on bodies. When you don't choose the career that's maybe right for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's work-life balance is one of those things that I think is almost the last thing to even consider if people consider it at all. Right. There are people that have like, you know, they've been wanting to be a doctor since they were eight years old and they go through all the schooling and they do, you know, do all the things or maybe that you know, their family's goals for them or just something that they just really want it to be, whether, you know, I know we're picking on doctors right now, but um, that happens in so many different fields. And so it is important to consider the work-life balance and how that comes to play. And sometimes you don't know until you're in it as well. So I worked in nonprofit for years.
0: We all know nonprofit is stressful. She's trying not to say it, but if you're going to go into the nonprofit career, please understand that There's a little bit of stress involved with it being a not-for-profit. It's right there in the name, my friends. (laughs) For sure, for sure. It's a way to have
1: balance and to have boundaries. Really, balance is just all about having boundaries and knowing what your boundaries are. And, you know, it's, you know, it's a skill that's important to learn and we can always lose them and relearn it. So it's never too late at all. But yeah, boundaries is a huge one for work-life balance.
0: I want to touch on boundaries. Everyone's definition of boundaries is so distinctly different. What's your definition?
1: My definition of boundaries is it's about defining what's in alignment with who you are and creating rules or filters to be able to distinguish which of those will allow you to be in alignment with who you are.
0: I love the filters too, because it gives that mental analogy, right? That there's certain things we're going to let pass through and then certain things we're going to keep. And it can be so hard because we don't talk about boundaries when we're in kindergarten, middle school, high school, we're starting to have that conversation, but we're not necessarily having that conversation at the depth that we should have it. And then you're plopped into a new environment. Oftentimes you're isolated. Oftentimes you're alone. And you have to think to yourself, what are my boundaries for friendships, for romantic relationships, for the way that I'm going to allow someone to treat treat me, whether they are superior or whether they're not, right? And I know that was really challenging for me. I'm a natural people pleaser. And, you know, it's something that I've had to work on really refining my boundaries and refining those filters because so many of us are naturally dispositioned to please. And that's really praised in our school system,
1: yeah, yeah, we talk a lot, I think growing up, you know, or raising kids or all of that, like we talk a lot about physical boundaries, right, and people not allowing people to enter into our personal space, but the emotional boundaries and the intellectual boundaries and the relationship boundaries are something that we don't necessarily need talk that we don't necessarily talk about, but we need to talk about. those are things people pleasing it's just. A lack of boundaries really is what it is. And it's a lack, it shows a lack of um, self esteem, self confidence, um, you know, thinking that the other person or acting like the other person, our actions show that the other person is more important than ourselves. And that's just not true.
0: How do you refine your boundaries? Like, what are your processes as you're living your life, as you're being the beautiful Rakaya and you're working in your business and you're doing all that you do, how do you make it a priority to actively refine those boundaries? Because it is something that you're continuing, right? It's never something that you necessarily, you don't just set boundaries once and they're done forever. You know,
1: it is something that we are constantly refining. Even if we think that we're not, we are. The lack of boundaries is still boundaries.
0: And as we change, so do those boundaries. And it can be hard to take time and have a true system for refining them because it's easy to just say, well, I've set boundaries before or I've done this to stand up for myself, but not really actively evaluate. As you evolve, your boundaries will naturally evolve. For sure, definitely.
1: And we draw, us as people, right? We draw the line. We know what the boundaries are sometimes. And, but we don't even own our own boundaries, right? We still allow people to cross over the line. Um, I always feel it's like a, a tug of war, right? There's that line in the middle and you're tugging back and forth. Um, on opposite sides of the boundary line. And sometimes we allow people to come over into our space and cross that boundary, even though we know, or we've even, you know, have said it verbally out loud, like, you know, this is a boundary, but we still allow people to cross over into it. And so I'm working, I'm working with clients. You know, I love to work with clients. And the first thing that I have them do is to write down what the boundaries are for themselves. And then also to start with, the relationships that are easiest to be able to draw the line so that they can practice holding that boundary with those that um, it's easiest to be able to do that with. Right. So, you know, we're not gonna start with the relationships closest to us, whether it's our parents or our siblings or our boss or, you know, whoever, right? We're gonna start with something a little bit more distant, right? Maybe we'll start with the cousin a colleague, right? We're going to start with a colleague before we start with our boss, right? Because the boss has the ability to fire you. And so you want to be careful. And so you just want to practice so that you're able to, and you do it nicely, right? There's a way to do it um, for sure. But, you know, starting with the the boundaries that are easiest to uphold first. And then as you get practice with that, then you can come in closer and, and start to deal with the closest relationships to you.
0: And it's a good way to practice the feelings, right? Because I think when you first start setting boundaries, and I know this was the case for me years ago, it's easy to internalize the guilt. What advice do you have if someone's feeling guilty and they're setting boundaries for the first time? How do you manage that in a way that's healthy?
1: Yeah, well, the very first thing that I would do is I would ask them why they feel guilty. What is it that they feel guilty about? And what is the value for the other person for you to uphold that boundary, right? Something that we don't tend to think about. We think of the boundary as a bad thing, but it isn't, right? We set boundaries if you think about it, whether you have kids or you were a kid at once, right? We have boundaries with kids. We set bedtimes. We set schedules to be able to uphold that boundary because we know that the child needs to go to sleep. They need the proper amount of hours of sleep, right? There's boundaries of playing in the front yard so that the kid doesn't run out in the middle of the street and get ran over.
0: Yeah. And that's a safety boundary. That's kind of a big deal, everyone. Don't let your child play in the front yard.
1: Play in the front yard, but they just may know not to cross over the sidewalk, right? Or not to talk to strangers, right? And it's, You know, kids are great examples, right? Of like, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? So what is, you know, the kid may not like the boundary. They may throw themselves down on the floor and throw a temper tantrum, but we know that that boundary is good for them. And so that is a great question. What is, what's the benefit of having that boundary for the other person? What's the benefit for you and what's the benefit
0: for the other person? And how will it help the other person and yourself grow is what I'd add to that. For sure. Right.
1: Because the boundary, you know, the bottom line is that it holds you accountable and it holds the other person accountable as well. And accountability is awesome.
0: It is awesome once we get used to it. But but at first, accountability can feel confronting to our bodies and our minds and our emotions when we're not used to it. Sure. And lots of people have, you know, fight or flight, right? They want to
1: run away and not Um, be held accountable. But when we live in a society where everyone is accountable, self-accountable, or we hold others accountable, oh my God,
0: things that we can accomplish. I love this conversation. This boundaries talk is just beautiful. Do you have an example of a time in your life where maybe you employed boundaries, right? And just share your process of doing that. I think it would be beautiful to hear that example from you. Let me think about that. We
1: can come back to that.
0: I got her with a good question. We're going we're gonna to circle back to that question because it, it, it was a pretty pointed question. So we're going to return back to that. I know for me, when I was setting boundaries with people like you mentioned that were close to me, it was very, very different than people that were far away from me because it's almost, we can feel almost as if we're attacking, right? And the way that you approach it from a very neutral non-triggered place is so vital. How do you get to that state of neutrality around setting boundaries when maybe you're not in the best headspace? What's your advice for that? Because sometimes we want to set a boundary when we're really, really angry or we're really, really triggered. But we probably want to do it from more of a place of neutrality so that we can access our own personal power versus just accessing, you know, a state of anger. Yeah, for sure. You know, I recommend, you know, journaling
1: and writing things down and coming back to it when you are um in a neutral space, right? Physically in a neutral space, but also your headspace, right? Where you're not talking out of anger, you're not lashing out, and it isn't about um making someone mad or getting back at them, or you know, it's not um a, a tit for tat, right? It really is about what is and so really taking the time to really think about. What is your boundary? Why do you have it? I mean, what is the benefit? What is the benefit for you? And what is the benefit for the other person? Like I was just saying, why is it beneficial for them, for you to have this boundary with them, whether it's to hold them accountable, whether it is to teach them or be an example of how to treat other people or for their own safety?
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you, Rukaya from Rukaya & Co. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on Campus Chronicles. I hope you found our discussion informative, inspiring, entertaining, and fun. We are always working hard to make sure that our episodes are the very best they can be, which means we need your help. If you liked what you heard, Remember to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast platform and drop us a review. It helps us to connect with more students who are hungry for success. And remember, the journey never stops. Keep listening, keep learning, keep growing. See you next week for another amazing episode of Campus Chronicles.